Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This is episode 43, in which we are going to be talking about a major problem on American roads that all van life people will face, and hopefully we'll have some solutions for that. We'll also be talking about places not to cover up while you're building your van. This is kind of important. A tale from the road involving the police, a product review of Rainex, and video game tours. Thanks, everybody. Welcome back. I absolutely am thrilled to be talking to you today. And I'm going to have a little bit of a rant, except that my wife kind of ruined my rant. I was all fired up and ready to go, and then she surprised me with an apple cider donut, and now I'm feeling all, aww, and, well, that's right! I can overcome the apple cider donut. In fact, I'm saving it as a little treat for myself after I finish this podcast. So let me get back in rant mode. Okay, I'm in that mode. I received a letter from the lovely state of Kansas. That letter says... You have received this violation statement because your registered vehicle used an electronic-only lane on the Kansas Turnpike, and a valid compatible transponder like KTAG was not detected, nor was the license plate registered on a transponder account. In the future, pay with cash at a toll booth or use a valid compatible transponder that has been properly mounted to your windshield. Well... My violation for going through three toll booths, now you have to understand, toll booths these days aren't like little booths with the arm that comes down. You don't actually get a chance to talk to anybody and you don't get any signal that says, hey, you paid your toll. Well, I went through three of those on my recent trip to Kansas, which you guys sent me on, by the way. That's why I was in Kansas. I was going to visit Truckhenge. And I went through three toll booths and my toll is $62.75. Thank you, Kansas. You so make me want to come visit you again. Okay, we have to have a long talk now about a serious problem in the United States regarding tolls and traveling from state to state. Toll roads originally came about because money was needed to build roads. This doesn't sound like a bad thing necessarily. In fact, the first toll roads apparently were built in 1420, and they got the name Turnpikes because a pike was a spiked barrier that, once the toll was paid, would be turned out of the way so somebody could pass. At any rate, tolls have been a constant point of contention for American citizens, no matter where you live. There have been many, many cases of tolls being put up temporarily, where the toll will go away once the road's paid for, and then suddenly it doesn't. There have been some roads where the tolls simply paid for the toll takers and very little else, which seems kind of silly. And then enter the 90s, and onto the scene comes Easy Pass, and it's going to save us all, because what Easy Pass does is it puts a little thing on your windshield, and it lets you go through the toll booth, and you don't have to have any change, and you don't have to do anything, you just automatically pay the toll with this transponder, and then you get an itemized bill at the end of the month that you can expense or whatever, and boy, doesn't that sound great? And then someone else had this great idea of, hey, What if we did open road tolling? That means you don't even have to slow down. Your car passes under this big bridge and that reads your car's transponder or in some cases license plates. And then it just mails you a bill or it just takes it out of your account and it doesn't even slow you down. What a convenience. Well, yes, except no, not so much. In fact, things right now are terrible. 
and let's talk about why. First, making it easy to collect tolls like this, where the infrastructure needed to collect tolls is substantially less than setting up a bunch of gates and hiring toll keepers, etc., 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 has made it a very welcome idea, shall we say, to cash-strapped legislatures. Thus, we have seen a proliferation of toll roads in the United States. I kid you not, this is the list of states that now have toll roads. You ready? It's going to be a while. Alabama, California, Colorado, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, which as usual is weird and their tolls are weird too, Virginia, and yes, West by gosh, Virginia. All of those states now have tolls. And the cost of traveling on interstates now has become prohibitive. For example, if you drive from Chicago to Burlington, Vermont in a regular passenger class car or a van, which often is classed as a car, but not always, your tolls round trip are going to be over $70. In some cases, it's cheaper to fly. So suddenly tolls aren't an inconvenience of fishing 50 cents out of your pocket. They're an inconvenience of like, hey, this is an expense I need to plan on. So there's that problem. That problem is separate from what I want to talk about today. We're always going to fight over taxation and how people pay for things. That's just part of our heritage. I'm not going to get into it. But the bigger problem is, is that now you need to have a transponder to basically drive these roads with any level of efficiency. If you don't have a transponder, you're supposed to go to the cash-only lanes, except they often don't exist. In Colorado, for example, there is literally no way to pay a toll except with your license plate. In Florida, many of the toll booths don't have a way to pay. You need to have the tag. And because of COVID, many of the places that did have ways to pay with cash now don't, and they don't have anything backing that up. We have this mishmash of different ways to pay tolls, and very few of these places even tell you what the toll is. All you know is that you're paying a toll. You don't know how much it is, or how it's being taken, or anything. In 2012, Congress wrote up a bill that would help this out, and that was to say that, hey, all you different companies making transponders, that would be Easy Pass and Fast Track and Texas Tag and Easy Tag, and there's a whole bunch of them, y'all can keep doing that, but you need to talk to each other and accept each other's payments. And that was the law, and it was passed in 2016, and we thought it was funded. It was everything was needed. Here you go. This needs to happen. And it didn't. It's now 2020, and the Moving Ahead for Progress in the 21st Century Act has yet to be fulfilled. And it's partially due to the bill's problem. Uh, the bill was written saying, we need this, but it didn't provide a structure, didn't provide a deadline, or penalties for failing to do so. So basically, all of these systems are in violation of this act, but there's no way to like hold them accountable. As you drive from state to state, you have no idea what the tolls are or how you can pay them or if your transponder that you do have covers where you are. The only way to know this stuff is to do research beforehand and 
that's fine, but that kind of takes away a bit of a van life. Now, you have to understand, for most people, this isn't a problem because they're just commuting, right? They live in St. Louis, and they drive to St. Louis every day. They know what their tolls are, and the tag helps them out. They get there, and they get back, and it's fine. I mean, that's true for most places. It's the over-the-road travelers like us, like truckers, like RVers, folks like that, that are getting hammered by this stuff. And the states all have a different way of handling it. And that's the problem. The federal government has said everybody needs to do the same thing and talk to each other. But the local states, local authorities, sometimes private authorities, because some of these roads are privately owned, have different rules, different structures, different fees, and they aren't willing to deal with it with each other because they basically don't have a reason to. There's no teeth in the law that Congress passed. In some cases, a locale might require you to have a $50 minimum balance. Other places, they require you to have a $5 minimum balance. In some places, they'll let you go into arrears for a little bit. So if your toll's $1.50 and you only have a dollar, they'll let you owe 50 cents. Other places won't let you owe that 50 cents and will charge you $50 for not having your account topped up. All that kind of stuff, it's all different. Not only that... The way they track tolls is different. For example, as I have learned, the Kansas Turnpike tracks when you enter the road and when you exit the road. And that's, that's characteristic of most places that call themselves turnpikes. If you don't have their tag, they don't actually have a way to track you. All they know is that you left the road at this point or you passed this toll at this point. They don't know where you came in and came out. I just found that out, and I'll tell you that story in a minute. In short... It is a mess. It is frustrating and infuriating. And in many cases, there is no will to fix it because states make money from this. My tolls, had I had the proper tag or gone through the cash lanes, would have been less than $10 for the three tolls that I had to pay while I was in Kansas. My bill is for $62.75. So they're making 50 bucks off of me at least. Why would they want to change that? And it's a bigger problem, too, for van life folks, because, hey, we aren't home, or our home doesn't have a mailing address. You know, some folks are out on the road for a year. They don't get mail regularly. They get one of these notices. There's a time limit on this. You have to pay, usually within a month. And if you don't, it gets attached to your license plate, and you can get in serious trouble for failure to pay tolls. So this is a big problem for van life. One thing to say really quickly is, yes, no matter whether you're full-time in a van or part-time or just travel a lot, you absolutely need to have a way to deal with your mail, at least on a weekly basis. There are services for that. USPS will send scans of your mail every day, just the outsides. But if you had a scan of this letter that I just got, you would see right on it, toll violation notice, and that would tell you that however you're handling your mail, you needed to look at this one. It actually says on it, this is not a statement. Immediate action is required. How do we fix this? We don't. We, meaning us van folks, we can't fix this. We can vote. That's all we really can do. We can write nasty letters to op-eds. This is a combination problem between poorly written laws in Congress and local municipalities not having the will to fix it. Because what do they care if someone from Texas can use their pass in Illinois? They don't care. But we have to deal with it. So how do we deal with it? Let's, let's get positive here. My number one piece of advice, and I understand it's problematic, avoid toll roads. I know. 
I know they're there for a reason. I know they make things a lot quicker. But if traveling is the experience you're going for, you're going to have a better trip not on the interstates. You're going to see more things. You're going to be more relaxed. I know this. I, I get it. There's reasons you have to be on the interstate. I'm on interstates all the time. I completely understand that. But if you have the choice, if you have the time, if you're taking the kind of open-ended trip where you just kind of are generally heading in a certain direction, set the GPS for no toll roads. And you're going to avoid this problem. You're going to save some money. Yeah, it's going to cost you some time and you might run into some traffic and some lights and things like that. But I guarantee you're going to see things that you wouldn't see from the interstate. The other thing you can do, and honestly, everybody should do this, and I'll explain why is get some sort of tag. Now, you could try to get them all, and that would be tricky. The three major tags, and again, there's dozens of names for these things. It's really even hard to talk about. In the Northeast general region, or say the East, there's Easy Pass. In the South Central region around Texas, there is Texas Tag or TX Tag, or Easy Tag, is that confusing for you? Easy pass in the east, easy tag in south central. Ugh. And then in the west is a thing called fast track. Those are the three big systems. You could get one of each of those tags. I don't know what will happen if you put all three tags up in the window. It might work. It might read one and then say, screw you, we're sending you a violation. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't. So you could get all three. Or you can optimize, which is what I think is the best thing. Now, I live in Illinois, so I have an I-Pass, which is an easy pass. Again, it has many different names. I'm not a full-timer, so a lot of the local driving I do on local toll roads, I-Pass makes sense. And I get a discount. I pay half the toll because I have this pass. So that's a good reason for me to have that. If I lived in Texas, I surely would get a TX tag or a Tex tag, or I don't even know what they call it. If you're from Texas, let me know how to say that. And there are special cases. For example, Easy Pass works all up through the Northeast and all the way to Illinois, but not really Florida. Florida is an extremely tricky state when it comes to this stuff. So there's another pass called Uni, U-N-I, that basically includes all of Easy Pass and all of Florida. So I would get that one. Now, there's an issue with UNI because it costs $35 that you don't ever get back, where Easy Pass is basically free. It, anyway, I can't do your research for you because I don't know where you live, but you should have one pass that optimizes your trips. But that creates a trap because once you have that pass, you think you're all set and you're not, and then you get nasty letters from Kansas like I just did. Or you get nasty letters from Toronto, which is another thing that happened to me in the past. They have a toll road too. I didn't even know I was on it, but I got a bill for $57 for it. <sighs> Later on in this episode, I'm going to give some resources that can help you deal with it, but be aware of it. And don't just ignore it. I called Kansas. There's a phone number on the bill, but actually I found more better info online and found out that they have a forgiveness program that if this happens to you the first time, they'll give you a break. So I ended up getting my bill cut in half. So that's a good tip that if you ever do get one of these bills in the mail because your toll tag was wrong or whatever, give them a call, play dumb, be nice to them. The person on the phone is not your enemy. They can actually help you in many cases, and you might save a few bucks. But that's enough of this rant for now. Okay, 
Tech Talk. Hey, when you're building out the back of your van, it's really easy to look at all that space and say, oh, I'm going to put this here and this here. and But there's stuff you can't cover or shouldn't cover, and I don't see enough people talking about that, so I'm going to talk about it right now. There are three things to look for in the back of your van that you do not want to cover up with anything because they serve a purpose that you need. The first is, and I see this question asked all the time, these things called slam vents. In the back of your van, on the wall, near the floor, near the doors, there are usually black plastic vents. And if you take off the grills, it looks like there's nothing there. In fact, you you can't see the outside. It looks like it's something you could easily cover over. But what you can't see is at the very bottom of the van, kind of underneath the van, there is a one-way vent there that lets air out of the van when you slam the doors. Basically, these vents are there to make sure that the air pressure in your van is the same as the air pressure outside your van. Because when you're driving, you may have your air conditioner on, for example, and if you're pulling in outside air, you're basically blowing up your van like a balloon. That air has to get out somewhere. And that place, if it can't find another way out, is through these vents. If you slam your door, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're forcing air into the van. This is to let the air out so that the doors will actually close because it turns out that if you cover these up, you may have trouble closing your doors. So don't cover them up unless you have another way for the air to get out. Number two, in a lot of vans, there is a spare tire mounted underneath the van in the very back, usually just behind the rear wheels, and it lowers on a crank. In my van, an MV200, there's a screw that comes down and kind of a cage opens up. On a lot of vans and pickup trucks, there's a cable that lowers and the tire is, is balanced on the cable. But there's a big nut, basically. It's a very, very large nut on the floor between the back doors or near the back doors don't cover that up. And you'll actually want to lube that and and use it every once in a while to make sure it works. The lug wrench will fit right on there and you crank that thing and it'll lower your tire. So don't make the mistake of covering that with some nice fancy wood and then getting a flat and realizing you have to rip up all your woodwork just to let the spare tire down. Save yourself some trouble. The third one is a little bit stranger. In some vans, like my NV200, there is an access port in the floor of the van that lets you get at the gas tank. It basically opens up and you can get to the top of the gas tank. And the reason you want to do that is so you can service the fuel pump. It's basically an easy way to replace the fuel pump if you need to. Because without this access port, you have to drop the fuel tank and often other things like your exhaust and stuff. And it's quite involved, especially if your fuel tank is full. Then it's a big problem. So I recommend you don't cover this up. But at the same time, this thing is like right in the middle of the floor, right as you open the door. It's kind of like in a prime space. And if you don't cover it up, you've got this frisbee-sized thing in your floor. Some people have made a little patch panel of flooring that they can pull up so they can access this. And if you're a good carpenter, that's probably the way to go. I'm not a good carpenter, so my solution was I just covered it up and I'm hoping for the best. Now, if my fuel pump actually goes, I'll have to make a choice of whether I drop the tank or I rip up the floor. And given how my floor is designed with fairly inexpensive linoleum tiles stuck onto a thin piece of plywood, I think I'm going to rip up the floor. But that's a choice I made understanding what the problem was. I'm telling you this so that you understand so you can make your own choices. Before you start building, make sure you know what every little bit and bob in the back of your van is because you might need it later. Tales from the road. 
So, back in the days when I was traveling with my smart car, I don't really know why I did this, but um, I didn't travel alone. I had a buddy I traveled with, and his name is Clem Snide. Clem is a cantankerous old man, and he and I have traveled all over the place. We've been to Colorado and Florida and uh, Kentucky. He really likes Kentucky for some reason. And uh, he never drives. He just sits in the passenger seat. Um, in fact, he, he doesn't actually move very much because, well, let's be frank here about Clem. Clem is a dummy. That is to say, Clem is actually not a living, breathing human being. He is a cloth-stuffed dummy that I have made look fairly real. And I would often get funny glances at me as I drove around with Clem, and I would pull up into restaurants and leave Clem in the car. Sometimes I'd bring him in the restaurant. That got more comments. And, well... I had issues with people gathering around the car, knocking on the window and stuff. And, you know, I explained, oh, no, no, it's just a dummy. It's fine. And people would say, oh, you've got Clem there just so you can avoid HOV tolls. <laughs> Back on tolls again. All right, I'm going to be good. But I honestly liked having Clem there. And I found out he was kind of useful. Like in the smart car, I could put a drink between his legs. And he had pockets in his jacket that I could put things in. So Clem was actually fairly useful. And then, as it turns out... The day I was buying my van, I had the smart car parked on the street outside of the van dealership, and Clem was sitting in there minding his own business, and after signing the papers, they had some work to do in the van, um, I think the tire pressure light they had to fix, but I came out to the car, got in, started the car, and then blue lights lit up my world, and a police car very quickly stopped next to the car and stopped me from going. And he rolled down his window, and I rolled down my window, and he said, are you feeling all right? I said, well, yeah, everything's fine. He's like, you sure? And I'm thinking, I haven't been drinking. I don't think I look weird. I'm like, yeah, everything's good. Because I got a call that there was an unresponsive man sitting in a smart car. And I'm like, and then I look, and I'm like, oh, my God. Somebody called the cops on Clem. Now, Clem looks pretty realistic. He doesn't look that realistic. I mean, if you look through the window, you're going to see that he's a rubber mask. Uh, but apparently he was realistic enough that somebody called the cops on him. So I introduced Clem to the nice policeman and showed that he was in fact a dummy by tying his arm in a knot, which is not something you could do with most humans. And the cop just kind of let out a very soft expletive and drove off. And that's why Clem is no longer with me. Uh, Clem is with me. He, he, he visits. He's, uh, he's sitting right next to me right now, actually, but he doesn't come with me on trips anymore, which is kind of a little sad, but it's, it's kind of okay, too. Okay, product review. Have you heard of Rain-X? You probably have. They used to advertise all over the place. And now they make a whole line of products. In fact, I think I have Rain-X windshield wipers on my car now. What Rain-X does is it coats your windshield with this chemical that repels water. That's all it does. It makes it so water won't stick to your windshield as easily. And it, it beads up and then rolls off. And this improves your windshield wiping ability. And it also makes things stick less to the window, like bugs and stuff. And it works. I've used Rain-X for years, actually. Not regularly, just, you know, once in a while. And the original Rain-X had a fairly complicated application process where you had to completely dry the window, then wet it, and then you'd wipe on the Rain-X, and it would make this fog, and then you'd have to buff off the fog, and it was a little too intense. 
Now it's a matter of just spraying it, or what I like is if you buy the Rain-X windshield washer fluid, that has most of the effect of the original. And yeah, it does help keep the bugs off. It does help with rain. If your windshield wipers are getting old and you're not ready to replace them, Rain-X will make them work better. It'll help them with squeaking too. So, hey, unpaid endorsement here. I like Rain-X. It's a brand that has done good things for me over the years. I do think it's expensive. You're going to pay two to three times as much for Rain-X washer fluid. And the actual original Rain-X, I think, is $10 a bottle. And that'll last you a year, maybe. So it is, it is a cost. But if you've got a van with a big window, especially one that's hard to reach, it might be worth your time to invest in some Rain-X stuff because it's going to make cleaning it a whole lot easier. A place to visit. So I couldn't think of a place to visit, so I asked Alexa to give me a number between 1 and 51 because I wanted to include Washington, D.C., and it gave me number 36. Number 36 is Nevada. There is a series of video games called Fallout, Fallout 4, Fallout New Vegas, and the video games are based on real places. Now, it's post-apocalyptic and then in the future or whatever, but the places are real, and you can actually visit them. And for Fallout New Vegas, they were so clever in how they incorporated these places that we made a trip out of it. I took my kids out there, who were uh, older teenagers at the time, and we visited all the places in and around Las Vegas that were in the video game. And we had a great time finding all these little clues. For example, there's this place, Nipton, California, where in the video game, there's this guy ranting about a lottery. I won the lottery. Oh, and then they have this, this whole story about the lottery. But the reason is that this town was the first town over the border of California, Nevada, and people would go there to get lottery tickets and it became known as lottery town. So it was just a fun idea. And Hey, if you happen to be a video game player or you're looking for some sort of a theme, Maybe you want to go visit all the movie sites, uh, all the places where movies were filmed. I know you can do that in Chicago, for example. Just think about that as an idea. Go visit these places that you're familiar with that maybe you haven't visited. And I had a great time. And you might be able to, too. Okay, resource recommendations for tolls. There is no one transponder that you can buy that will work with all of them. There just isn't. There's one that's close. It's called RV Toll Pass. So obviously it's meant for RVs. But it's a bit pricey. It costs you $15 for every month you use it. So if you leave it on your windshield and you don't use it for that month, you don't pay. But if you use it for a $0.25 cent toll, you have to pay $15 that month just once. You only pay the $15 once. And then it has all kinds of hefty fees associated with it. If your balance gets too low or if you blow a toll or something like that, they pile on fees. But for the pay and forget and just stick something on the windshield solution, this might be the easiest thing to do. It's called RV Toll Pass. I'll have a link in the show notes. If you are in the east coast of the U.S., the UNI transponder that I mentioned earlier from Florida is your best choice because it covers 18 states. Now, it does have a $35 fee that's not refundable, but if you stay in the east all the way from Florida to Maine and all the way far as far west as Kansas, but not some of the states south of Illinois, again, you got to have a map, it is the best transponder for the east. There are some other ways to do this. There's an app called PZ App that 
will try to pay your tolls with your license plate. This one doesn't use a transponder at all. They register your license plate with all these states, and then the states will see that it's registered and then filter payment through PZ. And they charge a little fee for every toll you pay, like 16 cents, or if it's a big toll, 33 cents. But there's an awful lot of excluded places. They have this whole page of places where it doesn't work. So you're still in that boat of not knowing if you've paid the toll or not. Anyway, it might help in some cases if you're willing to do the research. So that's PZ, the app, link in the show notes. And another one is called tollguru.com. It's just a website, and it will calculate your tolls for you. In fact, they have this thing that is so great that if you put in your starting address and ending address, not only will it route you like everything does, it will tell you your cost in tolls. It will tell you your cost in gas as best as it can estimate. Obviously, gas prices change. And it will tell you your cost in time. You get to put in a value of your time, and it will pick a route based on all those factors as to which is cheapest. For example, yeah, the interstate costs five bucks, but it saves you three hours. And if you put in your time as being worth $10 an hour, well, hey, you're better off taking the interstate. So that is tollguru.com. Check that out. There's also turnpikeinfo.com. That's a good site for just figuring out what the various tolls are and things like that. So links to all these in the show notes. Use the resources to get around this problem. Very quick Q&A here. Uh, one of the biggest questions that comes up all the time is, how do I get internet on the road? And what I do, and a lot of people do, is we basically use our cell phones. And most cell phones these days can be used as a hotspot. So you set up your cell phone as a hotspot, and you can connect your computer to it, and you're good to go. But the way the phone companies have it is that, let's say you get 100 gigabytes a month of internet, that's only true if you're using it on your phone. Once you set up that hotspot, you only get 15 gigabytes a month. And if you're doing video production or something like that, that can be a problem. But there's a way around it. And I'm not talking about jailbreaking your phone or anything like that. There's probably some solutions for that. And I know there is on the Android side. No, the answer is to get a tablet. Android tablets are getting to be fairly rare these days. They still make Fire tablets, but tablets with cellular, I know there are a couple with Android, but the iPad has basically won the war. If you get an iPad with cellular service, it's treated like a phone. Let's say you make a video and you want to upload it to YouTube. You can save the video to your hard drive, transfer it to your iPad, and then upload it from your iPad, and it will come off your big plan, not your hotspot plan. So that's a good thing. Or I have made it so that my iPad, which I just got, is my video production studio. In short, your iPad can take the place of your computer in many cases, and that will save you a lot of money on internet. Well, folks, thanks for listening. I promise not to have a rant every time, but you know, it's never nice to have a surprise bill in the mail. As always, music is by Simon Wagg. And until next time, remember what Susan Maximum says. Look for chances to take the less traveled roads. There are no wrong turns. And often... No tolls.